Hi everyone, welcome to Business Line Podcast. I'm Nikita Anvergis and today we've got Vismaya Mysore Naganna, founder of The Orange Heart, to give us a quick insight into the marketing world. Stay tuned. Hey Vismaya, so the first thing that I want to talk to you about today is the cred commercial with Rahul Ravid, right? So it's called mm-hmm. Indranagar Ka Gunda. A lot of consumers yes. were very surprised by the personality flip that uh, Ravid displayed. It was a very sensational ad and although it was executed by DDP Mudra, it was conceptualized by Tanmay Bhatt. And a lot of brands are looking towards small agencies or freelancers for concept advertising like this because they feel like larger ad agencies are a little too boxed in. So I just want to understand what's your take on this and why do you think that um, people feel this way? Firstly, I think as a founder of a small agency myself, mm-hmm. it gives me immense hope, if not anything else. <laughs> you know, it gives me a lot, yeah. a lot of hope. And also, um, there is a lot more flexibility, I think, right now. Mm-hmm. Because um, let, let's just try and understand what the environment startups operate in kind of looks like, right? Everybody mm-hmm. and your startups right now are ranging from making a revenue of maybe a couple of thousands to all the way to like, you know, a few millions. So you what qualifies as a startup also is a question that one mm-hmm. needs to ask. Are you a small business? Are you a startup? And what are those, those lines are kind of blurring, right? So mm-hmm. you have to also be able to understand you know, what category you sort of can fit into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, what tends to happen is you are operating within certain constraints as a startup. Mm-hmm. And because of those constraints, your marketing budgets get really limited. So within those marketing budgets, the kind of agencies that you can hire probably will be the smaller agencies. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't really know if that is applicable to the Craig's team mm-hmm. because given the firepower that Kanavat and the ex-AIB writers, which include Devaya Boparna and all of them, mm-hmm. that team sort of comes with, I don't really know how much they would have charged for the entire mm-hmm. campaign. And they've been doing these campaigns for a while now, right? Mm-hmm. They've cracked the format. They have multiple. I think the last time around it was with uh, Madhuri Dikshit and um, Bapida and all of them. Mm-hmm during the IPL and right now they've brought back the concept but in a slightly differentiated manner where they were talking about the bizarreness of how how amazing this entire platform and the trade coins and all of this things are. Mm-hmm. So I feel that given the ecosystem in which everybody is operating, there is a lot more empathy that is needed on the part of the agencies and also on the part of the startups themselves. And mm-hmm. that symbiotic existence can happen only when a small agency sort of comes on board. Mm-hmm. Um, I have worked with larger agencies I, and I understand very deeply what the constraints over there also are. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times it comes out in the form of financial constraints as well, right? Because you're a large agency, you're operating on a much larger scale. Mm-hmm. So the kind of projects that you can take on, the kind of um, bandwidth you can provide for a given amount of retainer fee or whatever it is, mm-hmm. is very different from what a small agency can operate with. Mm-hmm. So I think this is very heartening the the development that you know there are smaller agencies which are conceptualizing mm-hmm. and the bigger agencies or the production houses which have the muscle to execute those ideas are coming on board and in the theory. It's a fun um, you, you know, blend of the best of everything. Mm-hmm. 
it's not really about um, you know brands thinking that larger ad agencies aren't creative enough it's more about you know financial constraints and things like that in your opinion um i would say i i don't i definitely don't think that it's about uh, the lack of creativity mm-hmm. because we know for a fact that um agencies obviously want the best of talent right and mm-hmm. they go to any lengths to procure that talent mm-hmm. um so i definitely don't think it's a function of talent but i do think that it is a function of bandwidth that that can be allocated because in a larger organization mm-hmm. you are not just working on one brand you're working on multiple brands and also mm-hmm. there is a higher burnout that tends to happen because of that format right um, mm-hmm. the moment you're done with a campaign for one brand you're immediately on a campaign for another mm-hmm. so what tends to happen is you're not probably going to be able to give your 100% Uh, or even your 80 percent. Let's not even get to 100 percent. You, you're not probably going to be able to give in your 80 percent even on a lot of the campaigns that you work on. Let's face it, a lot of the smaller agencies or the freelancers that you do employ are products of these larger agencies, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the the mechanism and the, the the way in which they operate is pretty similar in terms of creativity, but mm-hmm. how uh, deeply entrenched can you get in the client's problem? Mm-hmm. is a function that a smaller agency i feel can bring in a lot more um with a lot more gusto the reason why i say this also is with a lot of startups you are growing together mm-hmm. um with smaller agencies coming on board startups want to look at them as partners and not really as you know you come on board and you, you do say xyz for me you just do social media or you just do um email marketing for me it's mm-hmm. not that anymore right because you need somebody who can give you a holistic solution holistic view of the problem that you have at hand mm-hmm. and a lot of the time that is possible by smaller agencies so one needs to take into account the hierarchy that is there in bigger organizations as well just looking at the creative team itself you will have say a junior writer or a senior writer and then you have the creative controller and then you have the creative director senior creative director and then you have the chief creative officer so yeah. multiple layers of feedback and multiple layers of reworking needs to happen um this may not be conducive for the startup environment even because startups generally tend to have a lot more agility than tend to tend to need a lot more agility on the part of mm-hmm. their marketing partners um and given the fact that you know you have digital um taking precedence over everything that is traditional right now mm. um on digital you need to be really really quick you need to mm. think on your feet you need to be quick to act you need to be quick to put something out just to give you an example westland which um got acquired by amazon a few years ago they are shutting operations in india mm. and one of my clients had his first book published with Westland and yesterday we were like can we do something about this and we were able to turn it around very quickly primarily because of how lean the, the team is and how quickly we are able to get to problems mm-hmm. um, primarily because of the, the, the size of the team and the way we operate right? mm-hmm. so those kind of things may or may not happen when you are in a larger environment larger agencies uh, i mean at least according to my understanding they have spent years and years and years 
um you know approaching advertising in a certain way right it's usually mm-hmm. that traditional approach so if their creativity is on par with those of smaller agencies then how are they adapting to you know this evolving taste of consumers right that's a mm-hmm. great question so um i think on the one hand yes a lot of the larger agencies took a really long time to get adapted to the digital environment mm-hmm. um some of them started off with having a separate wing for um digital and they called it their digital wing for instance i was a part of ogilvy and um, ogilvy one was the digital wing for uh, ogilvy mm-hmm. so what happens in those cases is the mainline team works completely differently from the digital team so that integration at, at least back in the day and i'm obviously talking about 2015 right mm-hmm. now obviously things would have changed a lot mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. um it is difficult to integrate those teams together which is why a lot of integrated agencies started cropping up mm-hmm. right so where you know multifaceted or multi-channel or omni-channel solutions were being provided by a single source so that then started taking precedence now the thinking may be traditional but there is a lot of wisdom in um, the ideas mm-hmm. right the execution is where you know your uh, younger folks can come in and make sure that they are sort of molding the idea mm-hmm. to fit into the landscape that is currently present mm-hmm. but the wisdom of being able to think of creative ideas i don't think we can do away with that or we should mm-hmm. we should yeah. we should um, um you know um, discredit that um but what i will say that smaller agencies have is i can hire a 21 year old and and get that person to be in charge of social media content completely mm-hmm. for instance reels reels is a format that a lot of agencies companies struggle to keep up with because mm-hmm. of the pace at which you know these get created trends come into mm-hmm. being and things like that mm-hmm. so for something like that somebody who understands it and somebody who is a digital native mm-hmm. can come in and provide a lot more value mm-hmm. than somebody who's been working for say 15 20 25 years in the industry Right, mm-hmm. so there is a balance that needs to be created inside of larger organizations, uh, larger agencies as well. Mm-hmm. But um, truth be told, I wouldn't be the best person to answer that question as to how they're able to do it. Mm-hmm. But the advantage that the smaller agencies have is the lack of hierarchy. Again, um, anecdotal example: uh, two months ago. on one particular project i had to um, let my writer go mm-hmm. and my uh, designer also wanted to put down her papers because she got a permanent mm-hmm. job somewhere else mm-hmm. like a full time job somewhere else mm-hmm. so in that scenario generally what would happen is you would have to get a headcount approval um, and then hunt for profiles that mm-hmm. would fit a particular salary band and things like that mm-hmm. which becomes really really stressful for the person who's hiring even because they're doing their job and also hiring for these jobs yeah. but in this case i was able to get somebody on board within 15 days of course we did struggle a little bit uh-huh. but within 15 days we were able to fill out those positions as well uh-huh. so in when, when when you look at these things you know that's what when i say agility is literally the only thing that takes everybody apart because uh-huh. if you look at the talent talent is there everywhere Mm-hmm. I also feel that at some level there is a sense of um for the lack of better phrase irreverent when it comes to smaller agencies and they can afford to say things 
um, in a lot more candid a manner. Mm-hmm. I feel that I think um, we've had chats with founders where we're we're just like, listen, this is not working. How do you think that we can proceed further? Mm-hmm. And then there is a reject that happens. Then we figure things out. Right? So mm-hmm. those candid conversations can be had a lot more easily when you're a smaller organization. It's again something that I feel. So I also want to talk to you about how certain ads, you know, depending on how creative you get with them, some of them can uh, or really offend Indian consumers. As a, crea- as a founder of a creative agency, how do you tiptoe around this? And has the creativity of your ads been limited because of that? Mm, that's again a great question. Because this is something that I feel like the ad agency particularly has been struggling with since if not earlier, since mm-hmm. 2020 at least, right? Mm-hmm. Especially after the pandemic, there is a sense of, I don't know what is going to offend people when because mm-hmm. we don't know what state of mind they're going to be in. Mm-hmm. Things that were relevant a few years ago uh, have, have have become irrelevant right now. Mm-hmm. You also need to adapt with changing times. And um, yes, there were a few um, ads that had to be taken down because of Twitter wars that sort of came up because they uh, quote-unquote offended the sensibilities of certain religious Mm -hmm. sects and things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, one thing that I uh, personally do is I try and shield my creative team from this. Okay. Um, So because what what, what happens is if if you don't give them a free reign, their thinking gets boxed. They're thinking is extremely limited. Mm-hmm. And the ideas that come up thereafter become very um, safe. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not out of the box. It is not something that um, one would feel a little, um, you know, um, uh, one would feel anything after, after seeing. Because I feel like uh, we're in the content game and content needs to make you feel something. Mm-hmm. So that becomes missing. Mm-hmm. So what I generally do is, um, yes, there are a lot of rules of engagement right now, mm-hmm. but is it possible for us to have that filter only in the second um, or the third level? Okay? Mm-hmm. So at the first level where the briefing is done and where the ideas are presented internally, we don't have any filters and any bars. We just mm-hmm. go about ensuring that we encourage all sorts of ideas to come on board. And then later on, I think the whether it is going to offend the sensibilities of somebody is literally like the last filter that, that I would like to apply. Mm-hmm. Because just like how you can't predict whether something is going to go viral because it is nice, mm-hmm. you can't also predict whether something is going to go viral because it is offending somebody yeah so i i think um as people who are owners of small uh, agencies who are uh, account managers and account directors our role is to be able to protect our creative team from that you know create an artificial shield around them and make sure that they are their thinking doesn't get affected mm-hmm. and then later on if tweaks need to be made at a final stage in order to sort of simmer it down a little bit, mm-hmm. that can be done. But personally, are we tiptoeing around these ideas? We have been not so safe in our approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, um, again, is, is a risk that small businesses can afford to take because mm-hmm. a lot of the small businesses that we're working with 
have this thing in them saying that hey you know what we have certain political ideologies we have certain religious ideologies and we'd like for them to shine through we don't mm-hmm. care about what is happening around us but we'd like for them to shine through because we want to present our authentic selves and that is great right now i can't imagine an, uh, an hul or a png trying to do the same thing that that's what we tend to also encourage our, our small businesses to do and uh, you know so far we've been lucky to have clients who agree with our line of thinking mm-hmm. and uh, we want to continue to do that um all of us consumers we've got a uh, multiple devices right we've got our phones we've got our tablets we've got our laptops and they're all different screen sizes so when you're creating ads how do you account for that do you customize all your ads for each screen or do you just repurpose them mm. um i think um this would be more from a platform point of view as opposed to a device mm-hmm. um i'll tell you i'll tell you the reason why mm-hmm. um now the kind of content that we are developing for say an instagram is very different from what we are developing for um youtube pre-rolls mm-hmm. they are also doing multiple interviews but then there are only shorter outtakes of those interviews which are going up on platforms mm-hmm. um like instagram reels so you need to know where you can put what mm-hmm. i can't have a full fledged conversation like a 40 minute conversation on instagram mm-hmm. i wouldn't recommend that for sure mm-hmm. um primarily because you know it's a small screen you may or may not want to see it and also mm-hmm. there is this temptation of okay what else am i missing the fomo is a lot higher mm-hmm. um when when you're looking at content on your small screen because you keep getting notifications mm-hmm. right so uh, and, and also this is where i definitely think that a lot of investment needs to be made in understanding consumer behavior and mm-hmm. because as consumers we are adapting and changing to the evolving times mm-hmm. the ad formats and the content formats and content itself has to also adapt and improve and change and mm-hmm. do whatever it needs to right? right so from a uh, from a platform to platform point of view it then becomes important to understand how people are consuming content on that platform how people are responding to content on that platform mm-hmm. i have youtube on my phone on my ipad mm-hmm. on my uh, laptop and also on my television but what do i use it to consume uh where is is slightly different right so mm-hmm. those small small nuances is something that we need to understand from a consumer behavior point of view mm-hmm. and then create content accordingly you get mm-hmm. platforms first mm-hmm. and then the devices so you identify the ad you identify the platforms so now how would you go about posting these different the same ad but in different screens right right so um while you're repurposing you also need to be able to do small little tweaks to some mm-hmm. design point of view mm-hmm. right um say for instance if there is a landscape video that has been shot can mm-hmm. i pad it mm-hmm. and add some text copy on it mm-hmm. so that it it can be converted into a reel mm-hmm. right um or if there is a reel can i stitch them together and create a youtube compilation so those small little tweaks will need to be made from a design per, uh, design point of view mm-hmm. but then again i would also look at numbers and mm-hmm. see whether these things are actually working or mm-hmm. um designing it in a manner which seems native to the platform works and this is also something that i encourage 
um our clients and also internally to do very right. heavily because if we don't look at numbers we will not know how we're performing mm-hmm. and it can become a very siloed approach for all of us the creative approach to advertising in today's digital world has changed so what changes have you noticed in your own creative approach fortunately or unfortunately um i started my career with digital mm-hmm. so my approach has been digital from there and it, this is like almost a 10 year long career so <laughs> it's been a long time um and i remember the days when we were trying to convince businesses of all sizes of the advantages of having a facebook page and today mm-hmm. like literally every business it's it's a mandate that you need to have a facebook and an instagram mm-hmm. page almost right mm-hmm. so we've come a long way as far as that is concerned um as far as my creative approach itself it, it itself goes um i think gone are those days when we used to look at um he- heavy investment campaigns for small businesses mm-hmm. or for medium sized businesses even mm-hmm. um every year okay mm-hmm. so there, there is this whole thing of hygiene hub and hero model Mm-hmm. uh which is a classic as far as content marketing is concerned mm-hmm. i'm not really sure if hero models or hero campaigns exist anymore for okay. your medium and small businesses okay. there there is consistent posting consistent content creation that happens um with all of these accounts on a day to day basis which is your hygiene and then once in a while when there is an occasion you will have a little bit of paid marketing push and things like that which will help with ensuring that you you get to the hub phase mm-hmm. so the change that i have noticed is earlier uh, whenever i used to think of ideas i used to also think of what a hero campaign could possibly look like for something like this mm-hmm. um you, you know typical examples would be a launch campaign mm-hmm. but right now um we have so many small businesses springing up like if you do a bombastic launch campaign chances are that people may not even notice they or they may take notice of you for a quick second and they forget about you uh-huh. you have to be able to follow it up with consistent messaging and consistent content creation uh-huh. so i think that would be one very stark change um uh-huh. from the way we used to operate back in the day at least uh-huh. um so yeah that's been a major major change i would say right uh, and do you think um, the creative conceptualizations have also changed the way people come up with ads um you know the kind of writing they do the kind of designs they make do you think that's also changed um 100% mm-hmm. right. 100% and i will tell you the reason why also i think in the last few years that consumption of ott has skyrocketed mm-hmm. and the way we think uh is no longer restricted right i feel yeah. like that is the change that i'm also noticing with a lot of movies that are being produced mm-hmm. and um because advertising is literally the chota bhai of movies uh-huh. we t- tend to derive a lot of things from there right yeah. so okay. our approach has become a lot bolder and um, um, in terms of the because you're catering to the same audience uh-huh. you need to be engaging enough for somebody who is sitting and watching something on ott platform uh-huh. um who's investing that time on reading subtitles and watching something in korean or in italian or spanish mm-hmm. you need to be also able to match those international standards but 
at the same time bring about the indian sensibilities right yeah, so okay. i feel like in terms of writing um writing has gotten a lot sharper okay. and if you notice um a lot of you know your companies like zomato swiggy mm-hmm. have invested heavily in getting their own in-house teams yeah. which have some star writers and star mm-hmm. content creators mm-hmm. and that in itself is a huge trend where uh, you will notice that people want to onboard creative professionals um um, um in fact the biggest example is cred cred mm-hmm. uh, i think um one of their a uh, founding team member was a stand up comedian meelaksh mm. mathur oh. i think oh wow yeah uh, so um, apparently sunal shah was very sure that um, he wanted people to not just be one thing right. he wanted them to be multi hyphenated right. so if you are somebody who is who is good with digital marketing you also are a stand up comedian on the mm-hmm. side things like that right Got so you, you will that's a very interesting trend i think in mm-hmm. the industry and um, that's something that i encourage my team also to go ahead and do because mm-hmm. it it just brings you uh, a lot of perspective from different different walks of life right mm-hmm. like if you're a writer you also need to experience life in order to be a good writer yes mm-hmm. um if i have to pull out that example of cred and itself mm-hmm. um I feel like Tanner Bhatt is a very engaged creator, and he knows right. his audience really, really well. Right. And it's not just by studying reports and doing secondary research, right? Like mm-hmm. he's he's live, he's sitting there and playing online games with people and doing super chats and things like that, trying to understand what Gen Z is all about. Mm-hmm. He has a second podcast, which is all about cryptocurrency and being able to save money and things like that. And why do mm-hmm. you think he's doing all of these things? Because he understands his audience really, really well, right. and he puts those insights into his writing mm-hmm. or his idea creation and conceptualization, mm-hmm. which are relatable, extremely relatable. Mm-hmm. And then when you take it to take those ideas to somebody like Craig, um, mm-hmm. who is run by a person who doesn't mind uh, not towing those lines of reverence and things like that, you have a fresh new perspective. I just want to understand your thoughts on meme marketing. Um, you know that's become quite popular. I think, uh, especially among startups. Um, so, what do you think about yeah. it? Do you think it's a good way to go about, um, you know, brand awareness and stuff like that? Right now, this is a double-edged sword. To be very honest, Nikita, mm-hmm. the reason why I say that is, uh, whether it is meme marketing or it is. Uh, these dance challenges and mm-hmm. these uh, trending reel formats and things like that mm-hmm. i feel they disturb your creativity in um, in a certain manner see mm-hmm. the moment you see something that is trending a trending format mm-hmm. you are forced to get on it right? right and then you have to operate within those con- constraints mm-hmm. sometimes it may hit hit the bullseye sometimes it may not mm-hmm. um but i would have probably done something else which which could have actually benefited the brand in a lot better a manner mm-hmm. but i had to invest my bandwidth and awareness uh, um, sorry bandwidth in creating this entire piece right mm-hmm. so i feel like it sort of isn't the most ideal way for um, creativity to, to sort of surface mm-hmm. 
but at the same time as a generation if you notice i think all of us are moving to a space where you have these celebrities and quasi celebrities and influencers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then whatever they are doing there are followers yeah. right like literally yeah. there yeah. are followers of those and the trends again are where people are just following what is being spoken about or what mm-hmm. is being done mm-hmm. so if you look at that behavior then your meme culture and meme format will make sense yeah um but i'm hoping that in the next couple of years when we can get out of our homes we will mm-hmm. be able to express creativity in a better manner instead mm-hmm. of just doing the same thing across the board right yeah. uh, so hopefully then um, you know the format also will start changing anything that seems very innovative at first will mm-hmm. catch on but eventually it will die down Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do believe that the meme format is not going to die for a really long time. People in the creative industry, as creative professionals, do I like it? I don't love it. I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's fun as a consumer. It's nice to break monotony. It's nice yeah. to have a chuckle. Yeah. But do I want to work on this for you know for whatever time that I do spend? working okay. i i would say no mhm what about um, yeah. what about including pop culture references in creators what do you think about that do you think that level i don't i think that's the greatest thing to happen i feel right. like including pop culture references mm-hmm. has happened since time immemorial right mm-hmm. so whether um so i was i was watching dawson's creek Mm-hmm. um a few months ago mm-hmm. and Dawson's Creek has these references to all the movies that Spielberg has made mm-hmm. because the lead character is somebody who is a Spielberg fanatic mm-hmm. okay so that is a pop culture reference and yeah. if you understand and acknowledge Spielberg's power of being able to create things um, uh, in the uh, in the 2D space mm-hmm. you will not be able to appreciate Dawson's fanaticism mm-hmm. so i feel that what happened in the in the early 80s 90s will continue right. um and uh, there's no reason why it shouldn't i feel like this there's also this culture of being introduced to new things through pop culture references which mm-hmm. i think should also happen um i think but but the problem is um right now what is considered as pop culture Mm-hmm. is is getting blurred right like mm-hmm. i don't know whether shark tank references would be considered pop culture mm-hmm. or not right right yeah. so um so i mean how how do you know um you know say for example if you're going to make a game of thrones reference in your creative mm-hmm. right how like a lot of people would not have watched the show so they wouldn't be able to relate to it so you right. know when you create ads like this you are aware that okay a certain section of the population is not going to get it so i mean how do you balance how do you keep a balance of that yes um mm-hmm. so i think that that's where being able to draw out a content plan and mm-hmm. to have like a proper strategy that is an overarching strategy will come mm-hmm. into place right mm-hmm. um so when you have when you draw out your strategy also obviously make audience personas Mm-hmm. and through that you will realize who falls into what kind of category now i can have for the same brand i can have an audience persona where people are glued on to netflix and they know every other reference there mm-hmm. 
uh, I can have somebody who is sitting out of a tier two city who is <coughs> prepping for GMAT, who has his or her nose in their books. So mm-hmm. for them, the reference is going to be slightly different. Mm-hmm. So also the trick over here is um, to not try and cater to everybody with every content, mm-hmm. because then you're going to dilute your content to such an extent where it loses that punch and impact. Mm-hmm. Keeping track of your consumer behavior, of the audience behavior, continuously is very important. So you can't just have a senior um, strategist come on board and draw out the strategy for you right at the beginning or the inception of the brand and go away. You have to be able to engage with them on a periodic basis at least so that they can come in and look at what is going on and what needs to be changed. Right. So that way you have your audience, you have you know, your buckets of um, content that you're going to be Mm -hmm. creating. At the same time, you will also keep adding that filter of, is this going to be relevant for my audience, even if it is for 20-25% of them. So those Mm -hmm. are the things that you'll have to look into.